What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Have you ever been deathly afraid? Oh, I can't believe what's going to happen. Sometimes when it's completely dark. I remember once I went into a haunted house. It was supposed to be fun, but it freaked me out. It was the worst experience of my life. I absolutely hated it. It was just fearful. And here in this story, David is afraid. And we're going to meet him at a time in his life when he is deathly afraid. Well, why is David afraid? Because Saul is out to kill him. David has just been hanging out in the palace, playing the leer for Saul to calm his nerves, hanging out with Prince Jonathan. He just married the Princess Michael. This is great. Everything's wonderful. But Saul hates him and chucks spears at his head. And Jonathan comes to tell his best friend, you've got to run. My dad wants to kill you. And so at the age of 20, at the age of 20, David is on the run. He is petrified. He's scared already, right? Well, he is even going to get more scared in this story. Well, if you have to run from the king, where would you go? And I think it's interesting. You know where David goes? He goes directly to where God is. Earlier, he ran to Samuel, one of his best friends. But Samuel was also a priest. By going to Samuel, he's going to go to wisdom. He's going to go near God. Well, David, he takes that same tactic. I think it's so encouraging. David's like... In the time of great fear, and I don't know what to do, and I've got to run, I'm going to run towards God. I'm going to run to at least where I know God roughly is. And so he runs to Nob. Love the name of that town, N-O-B. He leaves where he's at, and he runs north to Nob. Now, Nob is basically where, some people believe, the tabernacle of the Lord was. Now, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. It was still in Kiriath Jerim, but the priests were hanging out, a whole group of them, at Nob. And the chief of the priests was there, and his name was 
Ahimelech. And when David gets to Nob, Ahimelech looks over and <gasps> Ahimelech gets incredibly scared. It says he comes tremblingly to David. He is scared to death to see David. Why? He's heard Saul's a little mad at him. He doesn't really know why, but he doesn't want to get caught in the middle of their argument. And it says he comes tremblingly. He is afraid. And so he goes, why are you here, David? What's up with this? Why are you here? And David, well, sadly, he lies. Now, he's in the middle of fighting basically a war with Saul, and he doesn't know if he can trust Ahimelech, and, and he doesn't want to get Ahimelech in more trouble. I don't know, but maybe you could justify this as more just deception in the middle of war. But he says to Ahimelech, um, um, uh, um, the king's charged me with a matter and, and said, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. And and so 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 don't worry, I, I can't tell you what I'm doing, but the king has sent me, and he sent me on a matter, and I, I just can't let you know. But by the way, I'm starving. Do you have any food, please? Can, can you give me five loaves of bread, or, or whatever is here, or whatever you have on hand? I'm really starving, and some of the men with me, please, can you help me? Hmm. And Ahimelech thinks, well, I... I have no bread just laying around, but, but you know, hmm, there is some holy bread, and, and, and we just swapped out the holy bread, the, the bread of presence, and, and then we put in a new warm bread of presence, but the bread that we just took down, you could probably have that, but, but, but only if your men are clean, ceremonially clean, and, and, and if you're clean yourself, you can have it. And David's like, yes, oh, this will be good. So he grabs some of the bread and he begins to eat it. And, mm, mm, it tastes so good. Thank you, Ahimelech. Thank you. Later on, Jesus, he uses this very story. And he uses it in front of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees put ritual above people. Ritual is more important. You must maintain the ritual. And here Jesus says, look, Ahimelech the priest, he used bread that should have been dedicated to the Lord. And instead he gave it to David. He broke the ritual because why? People are more important. Life is more important than the ritual. Well, David is eating away. And then walks into the room one of the most evil men you will meet in the Bible. His name was Dog. D-O-E-G. Even sounds like an evil name, doesn't it? Dog. Dog the Edomite shows up. Dog the Edomite. He walks into the room and he sees David eating. And it says that Dog remembers this. 
Now, it says that Dog the Edomite is Saul's chief shepherd, which is really interesting because the Edomites are the sworn enemies of God. And maybe Dog was there because he was a prisoner of war and he had to do something. But ultimately, King Saul entrusts his sheep to one of the most reviled enemies of Israel, the Edomites and the Israelites. They've been at wars for centuries. They've been at war for a long time. And Dog is taking care of King Saul's sheep? Well, Dog makes note of this. I think that's David. Hmm. And then Dog quietly slips out of the room. Well, David's eating well. I'm really enjoying this food. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And he says, hey, Ahimelech, I've come here so fast. I've just had to run on this on this mission that Saul sent me. But but I didn't bring a sword or, or a weapon with me because the king said, hey, hastily, get out of here. You got to go do it. And so I did. Do you have a sword or or anything I can use for a weapon around here? And Himalek said, you know, the only thing I've got is the sword, get this, the sword of Goliath. It's right over there behind the ephod. What? Goliath's very sword is behind the ephod. David runs over and he grabs it. Now, we're not certain what an ephod was. It was probably a statue. And it was probably... An idol. The word ephod there, usually an ephod is something that a priest wore and he could tell what God was telling him to do through a simple yes or no response. But sometimes the word ephod is used differently. And here it's different in the sense that this was an idol, a statue. And and what is an idolatrous statue doing in the house of the Lord, in the tabernacle of God? This probably hints at the fact that Ahimelech The priest, he's letting some bad stuff happen in the house of the Lord. He's letting some pagan things get in there, and and this isn't good, but for David, he pulls out the sword, Goliath's sword, and he looks at it, and he says, this is great, and he says, thank you, this is awesome. He says, there is none like it. It's made out of beautiful metal, it's strong, and he wraps it around his waist, and David says, thank you, and then David runs. Now, where would you run to next? Where would you go You come to the house of God, you get some food, you get Goliath's sword, you find out the house of God is not all that it should be. Where would you go next? Well, David, he throws all caution to the wind and he runs to Gath. Can you imagine running to Gath? You're like, what in the world's Gath? Who cares? It sounds like a nice city. I'd go to Gath. Gath is the hometown of Goliath. And he's got Goliath's sword. And he chopped off Goliath's head with the sword. And he runs to the very hometown of Goliath. 
He gets out of Israel and he runs to Israel's arch enemy Philistia, right where the Philistines live. And he comes to the town of Gath, hometown of Goliath. He goes to the enemy territory. Now, why would he do that? I think it's because Saul is searching for him all over Israel. And David says, I've got to get out of here to my greatest enemy, the Philistines, and hide there. So he comes to the town of Gath, but the minute he gets to Gath, he thinks, this was probably a dumb idea because it says that the king who was reigning there, his name was Achish. And Achish, he hates the Jews. And Achish hated David for killing Goliath. And Achish hated King Saul. He hates all of them. So why in the world is David there? I don't know. Like I said, I think he's trying to get away and hide out of Israel. But this doesn't turn out too well. And some of the men of Achish say, is that David? I think that's David. I think that's David over there. Oh, that's David. And they start to recognize him. That's David who they sing the song that Saul killed his thousands, but David kills his 10,000. That's David. And so they grab him and they drag him before the king of Gath, King Achish. What are you going to do? I wonder if David thought, I made a bad choice here. I should have stayed at Nob or stayed in Israel. What would you do? Well, you know what David does? He starts to babble. King of Gath, King of Ashik, King of Gath should take a bath. And he babble. And he starts to spit big gobs of spit and mucus just starts to come down into his beard. And, and King Akash, he looks at him. And he goes, Dude, this isn't David. This isn't David. This is a madman. See, back then, you would not let anything defile your beard, especially if you were a good Jewish man. And it says he began to make himself seem insane, and he scratched at the doorpost of the house and the doors of the gate, and he started to babble. And he's insane. I think he must have been a good actor. I don't know if I could just make myself seem insane on the spot like that. But Achish goes, this isn't David. Look, he's defiling his beard, letting that spittle run down. He's scrappling at the doorpost of the gate. No, this is a madman. Come on, get him out of here. You know what? I have enough madmen here in Gath. I don't need him. Just, just send him away. And so the men look at him. I thought, sure, that was David. But yeah, I guess you're right. And they chuck him out of the town. And David, thank you, Lord. Later on, David writes Psalm 34 about this event. Later on, he writes Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 begins with this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. Verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. He writes this about that event. How God took care of him. 
how God made him realize you gotta get out of Gath. In fact, you gotta act insane now. Well, David, he runs back to Israel. Dumb move to go to Gath. But he starts running to Adjulam, a town about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem and 10 miles northeast of Gath. So he runs to a, a town called Adulam, about, about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem and 10 miles northeast of Gath. And there he stops and he looks over and he finds a cave. He goes in and he sits down. And he relaxes for a bit. He's afraid. He was petrified before the king of Gath. It says there in 1 Samuel that when he was standing before the king of Gath, that David was much afraid. David had this moment when he was so scared they were going to kill him. But God took care of him. God protected him. And now he's in this cave and he's, he's like, what am I going to do? Well, he sends out word. And the message starts to get out. David's on the run. But the message also gets out that David's building an army. Saul is after him with the Israeli army. But David needs men who are willing to fight for him. And so it says that there in Adullam, over 400 men, some of them family, some of them men who owe debt, they were men who had problems they had to get rid of. They were seeking a refuge. They were probably kicked out of town. Some of these men maybe weren't the greatest. Maybe they were horse thieves. Maybe they were accused of murders. Others, like I said, had debt. Man, back then, debt could get you in a lot of trouble. And man, I've got a Discover card with over $2,000 racked up. I've got an American Express. I'll never pay that off. You know what? Forget about it. I'm running to Adullam, and I'm joining David's crew. I'm joining his army. And they left all that behind, and they got there, and he gathered an army of 400 misfits. Some from his family. A lot of them from parts of society where they just wanted to start all over again. And a great place to start is fighting for David. So David has 400 men. You know where he goes next? He runs east. He crosses the Jordan River. And he goes to another enemy of Israel. And this is Moab. So he went west to the Philistine territory. And he hung out with Gath and realized he shouldn't have done that. And he gets out of there gets this motley crew of 400 fighting men with him, and now he heads east, and he ends up in Moab. And along the way, he's like, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, come with me, because he knew Saul would probably go after them. And he takes them, and he takes them along with his motley crew, and they stop in Moab. Now, Israel and Moab were bitter enemies. They'd been enemies for years, and yet... David leaves his family with the king of Moab. And the king of Moab says, I'll take care of them. I'll watch over them. Why would that be? Why would the king of Moab be friendly to David? And why would David want to hang out in a country that's a mortal enemy of Israel? Well, I think for two reasons. Number one, 
since David is an enemy of Saul, probably the king of Moab says, you're an enemy of Saul, you are an ally of mine. I will help you to defeat Saul because that's how much I hate Israel. But I also think David knew he was safe. Why? Because David had Moabite roots. His great-grandmother, Ruth. Remember when we went through that story? His great-grandmother, Ruth, was from Moab. And when they welcomed that part of the family back from Israel, maybe there were still people there who remembered Ruth, who were connected. And they said, we're going to honor your past. You leave your mom and dad with us. And they were there for the rest of the war. You leave them here. We'll take care of them. Well, David then gets out of Moab. And he takes his 400 fighting men and they later run to this forest in Judah called Hereth. And he stays there and, and he begins to build his army in this forest of Hereth there and back in Israel in the area owned by the tribe of Judah. He begins to amass his army. He begins to work out his plan. He's got the men around him that will work. His family's safe in Moab. But then something horrible happens. Remember I told you about that evil, evil man named Doeg the Edomite? Well, here he rears his ugly head. Because while David's hanging out in Harath in the forest, safe, trying to decide what to do next... Back up in Gibeah, Saul is sitting under a tree with a spear in hand, which means he's ready to go to war. And Saul is yelling at all his underlings. Why didn't you tell me about Jonathan? Why didn't you tell me he was stabbing me in the back? Why didn't you tell me about this alliance he made with the son of Jesse? He never calls him David. Why didn't you tell me? And he is ranting and raving, and he's saying, we don't even know where he is now what in the world we, we have to search him and he is angry and then Doeg shows up Doeg the Edomite is there and he says I know where David is I know where David went after he left you I know exactly where he went Saul in the middle of his rant. Why aren't you telling me what, 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 what? You know where David went? And Doeg says, well, he may not be there anymore. But you know where I saw him? I saw the son of Jesse up at Nob talking to the chief priest Ahimelech. That's where I saw him. And you know what, Saul? Dog says, I not only saw him there, I saw Ahimelech feed David and give him bread. And I saw him give him a sword to fight. <gasps> Saul is mad. 
Now remember, at this point, Saul's pretty much insane, right? And Saul calls for the priests to come, and he calls for Ahimelech to come from Nob and to come down there to Gibeah and to join him. And here comes Ahimelech and the priests. And he says, Ahimelech, why have you conspired against me? And why have you taken in David and showing him refuge? And he starts to accuse Ahimelech of conspiring with David to bring down Saul. And why are you siding with David? And what are you doing? And how can you get away with this? And Ahimelech, why are you doing this? And Ahimelech's like, what? I didn't know. The last I heard, you and David were great friends. The last I heard, David had done great things for Israel. Why would I not help David out? And Ahimelech defends himself. Why would I not do that? I hadn't heard of any of this. What are you talking about? And Saul, in his insanity, he doesn't listen. He doesn't care fact he turns around and he says I want my men to kill Ahimelech and to wipe out all these priests I want all of them gone I want all of them destroyed I want you to kill them now and I want you to destroy all of them Saul literally says turn and kill the priests of the Lord and all his men, all of Saul's, you know, council and the princes around him, you know what they do? They don't do anything. They would not kill Ahimelech, the chief priest, and all the other priests. They wouldn't do it because they knew that they came from the tribe of Levi. And these are men chosen by God to fulfill priestly functions. And he's not going to do that. And there could be great judgment upon them from God. No way are they going to do that. And the fact that Saul is asking them to do that shows that Saul, he's no different from Achish, the king of Gath. He's no different from the king of Moab. He's acting like this pagan king and he's ranting and raving and nobody will do it. But remember I told you that Doeg was one of the most evil men you'll meet in the Bible? Well, one of the reasons is because Doeg does it. Doeg's an Edomite, and he says, I'm not even a Jew, and if God condemns me, I'm not even part of the covenant. Who cares? And I also think Doeg is just pure evil. And he takes his sword... And he obeys Saul, and on that day, he kills 85 priests of Nob. 85! Then he goes up to Nob and kills their families, their children, and takes out all their livestock. Why? Because Saul said, put them under the ban. Kill them, kill their families, kill their livestock. I want you to wipe them out. And all the good Jewish men, they didn't do it because they knew of the consequences. But Doeg, he's evil. And he doesn't care. 
And on that day, he kills 85 and wipes out the priesthood. Except for one man. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he hid under a blanket. Maybe he hid behind a rock. Maybe he saw Doug coming and he got out of town fast. Maybe Abiathar was a sprinter bar none. But Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, he's the only one to survive. He's the only one to survive. And he gets out of there and he comes running to David. And he tells David, remember David's in Hereth, in the forest, right? There in Judah. And he comes to David and he tells him the sad, sad, tragic story. You know, it's interesting. All the way back at the beginning of 1 Samuel, right? We met Samuel. And we also met Eli, the priests. And then we saw how rotten Eli had let his sons become and how they had just fornicated and ruined the priesthood. And then God said to Eli, your name is going to be wiped out. Your lineage is going to be wiped out. There will be no more priests. Your whole family line will be killed. Well, this is what happened when Doeg fulfilled God's prophecy. He fulfilled God's judgment upon the line of Eli and there were no more priests. But Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, he's the only one alive. And he tells David the tragic story of what happened. And he tells David of how Saul exterminated the whole priestly community. And you know what's really interesting? He takes responsibility. He says, you know what, Abiathar? I'm sorry. Unlike Saul, who blames other people and gets mad and rants and raves and does tragic things like this, David owns up. And David realizes if he hadn't gone up there, Ahimelech would still be alive. And he says, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch over you. Whoever seeks my life seeks your life. With me... You shall be in safe keeping. Later on, it's really interesting. David writes Psalm 52 about this incident. He writes, Why boast about evil, you hero? I think he's referring to Dog. You boast so much about evil, Dog. Or, or maybe he's thinking about Saul. He goes, Why boast about evil, you hero? God's faithful love is constant. Throughout this time period, David, from the age of 20 to when he becomes king, a 10-year period when David is going to write psalm after psalm after psalm, God is showing David many things. And David is going through emotional highs and lows and write great praises to God of how God took care of him with Achish, the king of Gath, but also great lows where he realizes that he was partly responsible for 85 priests to be slaughtered that day in the evilness of Dog the Edomite and the insanity and evilness of King Saul. 
That must have been hard for David to take. But I bet he gave Abiathar, the priest, the only survivor of the slaughter, I bet he gave him a big hug. And he walked him back to join his motley crew. So now we have King Saul committed to destroying David. So committed that he kills the chief of the priests. Wipes out the Levite priesthood in one day. He's now committed. His heart is so far from God. It's dark and evil. And his goal is selfish ambition. But guess what? He's got the whole army. He's got power. He's got money. And then on the other side is David. Probably 20, 21. He doesn't have anything. All he's got is 400 men who are discontented, bitter in soul, and they've got issues themselves, and he's got some family members, but his mom and dad are miles away in another country. King Saul, power and might on one side, arrayed against David. 400 motley crew of an army. He's got no money. He's barely got a fighting chance. What in the world is gonna happen? Well, if you come back next week, we're gonna find out. But I just want to encourage you. David, the one thing he's got, right? He's got Yahweh. He's got God on his side. And we're going to see some exciting adventures ahead to see how God takes care of David in the middle of all this and provides for him. And in the end, we're going to see that evil will not prevail. I hope you come along for the ride. It's going to be an exciting story. Don't miss out. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.